What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sport. We got a lot to get into. Of course, we got March Madness. We're talking World Baseball Classic, NBA Playoffs. Got a little golf and NFL. A little bit of everything in this episode. But first, I'm going to start with March Madness, of course. I'm happy my Pitt Panthers move on to the round of 32. But March has delivered even if to an extent my bracket is a little messed up. You just can't go wrong with the NCAA tournament. It is not the greatest month in sports, which is still October in my mind, but it is quite amazing how good uh, these games are. It's, it's just, it's just fantastic. Um, now one thing that, uh, when I look at the most shocking game, of course, you know, I had Furman over Virginia. I didn't have fairly Dickinson over Purdue. I didn't have that. And no one had that really. I mean, come on, even after the the fairly Dickinson coach was saying that, you know, he thinks they can beat Purdue. I just don't think you expected this, especially from a team that that had to get win the play-in game in order to get into the field of 64. To beat Purdue, Purdue should be ashamed. They should be embarrassed. They really should. Of course, it also sets up Duke in my mind to kind of breeze through to the final four that's right you heard me say it Duke got the easiest bracket in my mind now they have to look at either Fairleigh Dickinson and FAU if they can get past Tennessee which I imagine that they will Kentucky's not bad Marquette's okay but I think Duke is you know kind of the cream of the crop if you will but FDU beating Purdue was it was a wild day. Um, because I mean, I well, one. Let me go back up. I expected Memphis and FAU to be a close game. It was an eight-nine, and I had Memphis moving on. I had Memphis actually beating Purdue, so now my bracket is busted on that side. But the other game that I didn't expect that I should have had, um, I thought St. Mary VCU would get the upset over St. Mary's, and that didn't happen. But the other game that it was really, I feel for them and I was rooting for them because they are in the ACC. But Virginia, to lose to Furman, I called that game. But in my mind, I wasn't thinking about the totality of how bad it's been for Virginia in the first round. Yes, they won the NCAA championship once, and I hope that all of the Cavaliers fans will remember that and look back on that fondly and say, you know what, I'll take it if we had that one win. But to think that the freshmen on that team, the first-year players on that team that won the national championship, That in the end, the player that made arguably the greatest play in Cavaliers history 
That is the now senior in, uh, gosh, I forget I'll say his name. Kai Clark. Um, I, I know I'm probably butchering it. Made a really bad pass to give Furman a chance. And Furman had to win it. It wasn't like Furman was up. They had to hit a big three to take the lead by one. And I feel for Clark. Like, I know that's got to hurt. But in the end, he's got a national championship that he can say he played a big role in. And, uh, yeah, another uh, first-round exit for the Cavaliers. But I'm looking forward to Saturday and Sunday as we go from the round of 32 to the Sweet 16. And I'm just crossing my fingers that the University of Pittsburgh gets there. But they got a tall order against Xavier, the number three seed, on Sunday. As I look at where the bracket is now, Maryland probably doesn't have a shot to beat Alabama. But if Miller, the best player in NCAA, in the NCAA to some degree, is not 100%, we will see. And there's always the controversy with Miller in Alabama and Coach Nate Oates. And, uh, you know, maybe he shouldn't be playing right now. Um, and I think the scrutiny real, will increase as they continue to win. But, you know, yeah, let's face it. Brandon Miller may not... Um, Be may not have Alabama where they are if we waited for uh, the investigation to continue in uh, down in Alabama. Um, you never know, but I expect Alabama to move on. Um, I think San Diego State will beat Furman. I've got Baylor over Creighton. Creighton. And then, oh yeah, I forgot about Princeton upsetting Arizona. That's right. I mean, I didn't expect, you know, a Tiger's better than a Wildcat in, in, in the wildlife. I guess you could, you know, I know some people like doing brackets like that too, but that was the other upset. Princeton over Arizona. And now Missouri has to play Princeton, who plays a different kind of ball game. But I expect Missouri to advance in that game. On Sunday, I expect FAU to beat Fairleigh Dickinson, but then again, Fairleigh Dickinson may have a magical run in them. Duke over Tennessee, Kentucky over Kansas State, and Marquette over Michigan State. Then I've got UCLA over Northwestern. I've got Gonzaga over TCU, UConn over St. Mary's, Kansas over Arkansas, Texas over Penn State. I'm going with my heart and Pitt over Xavier. I've got Miami over Indiana, although Drake gave him a bit of a run. Miami had to turn it on late. And I've got Houston over Auburn in my brackets. How my actual bracket is doing, I actually don't know because I swore that I did a bracket. And now when I signed in, at least on my ESPN bracket, I cannot find it. Before Virginia and Purdue... I would always say Arizona's kind of the team that I felt was always flaky in the tournament. Um, and even though I, you know, I didn't pick them to lose in the first round either, 
but I still felt like they were always one of those teams where you're just like, yeah, I just don't know about them. And then, of course, here we are. We're right in that predicament again if you're an Arizona Wildcat fan where you're like, yep. Once again, we lose. And as for Pitt, you know, you don't always see them get to the Sweet 16. So that will be really nice if they can pull it off, although I know that's going to be a tall order. Um, There's no doubt about that. But I hope that they are able to beat Xavier, right? Got to beat Xavier. That's what we want to see. Got to beat Xavier. Got to be Xavier. All right. Before I get to the NBA and the playoffs, John Morant, Damian Lillard's comments, I first want to talk about Michael Jordan. There are reports that Michael Jordan is preparing to sell a majority stake in his Charlotte Hornets. The first time I would say Jordan is taking an L, if you will. I mean, I know he did. He lost some things in his career, but to think that this is the first time in some ways he's, I don't know, is it fair to say he's giving up? I mean, I'd almost say he's giving up. He's saying, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, That's where I think he is in his... um, decision to move on from selling the team um, or selling a majority stake. There were these other rumors that maybe he's going to uh, try to buy into the commanders. I saw that report and I'm like, "Eh, that seems a bit far-fetched in my mind, but you never know. I mean, I guess you could say that that's possible, but here's the thing. In the end, I would be disappointed or I am disappointed that there talks that he is going to sell a majority stake in the team. And the reason why that hurts me the most is minority owners are far and few between. And to think we didn't just have a minority owner But this is the second minority owner to own the Charlotte franchise to also sell the Charlotte franchise. That can't be good, right? That can't be good. But we need more minority representation. And we simply just don't have it. Here we are once again, a chance to say, yeah, there's a minority owner that that owns an NBA franchise that we can no longer say that anymore. He's giving them up. And that bums me out. It really does. I just simply don't want to see us lose that. 
us lose the ability to at least have one minority owner and it's going to be gone. But the amazing thing is, hey, if you want to talk about money, he only paid $180 million for the team in 2018. It can't be right. In 2010, excuse me, that can't be right. There's no way he only paid $180 million. No way. I just don't see it. But if he is going to sell them, For $1.7 billion? Because I've seen numbers that say that he paid $275 million. One said that he paid $180 million. Actually, neither one of those really matters. If in the end, the team is now going to be sold for $1.7 billion, I guess you can say he still won, Right? He's still a winner. Just not winning the way I had hoped. In being a minority owner. In possibly winning an NBA championship. And now it's not going to happen. He's going to be a minority owner. And I just, uh, I don't like that. Maybe for some reason, if this Washington thing is legit and he is trying to get into the um, if he is trying to get into the Washington market, maybe it goes all the way back to this is way to get back at I don't know, they can't be getting back at uh Ted and everybody for what happened with the with the Wizards. But I guess we'll see, huh? I guess we shall see. What we will also see soon is John Morant back in the NBA. And I hope in the end that while I want to see John Morant come back and I hope that he has learned from his mistakes. He has an eight game suspension. He'll come back soon. And outside of the ethics or morality of it, I just hope that, yes, he's, I mean, look, he's got to say all of that. I take full responsibility for what I did. He's going to take his eight-game suspension. There was just a lot at stake. And I hope that, you know, having going on Instagram live with the, with showing him with a gun in a strip club or showing him hold, him himself showing his own Instagram. I'm totally messing this up. Holding a gun in his hand. Um, 
and all of the other things that he's been involved in are just poor judgment. And I hope now he realizes the mistakes he's made, but also I hope for his friends and family after John Morant went to counseling in Florida that they realized, hey, we're all potentially messing this up. That's the biggest thing. You've got a chance for all of you never have to worry about money again, go on vacations wherever you want to in the entire world, have all of the clothes and stuff that you want to, and I hope they're still smart with their money. I mean, when you look in some of the strip club video, you see all that money all on the floor and stuff. is like, whoa, 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 that's a lot of money just being thrown away. And, I, you know, hey, you spend your money the way you want to. I just hope that John Morant, that this does really wake him up and that we don't have another setback from him. You can still have your friends and still have fun and not be in a, where you're putting yourself in harm's way, endangering others. And you don't have to necessarily make yourself out to be a thug, to still be liked and still have fans. That's my thing. I mean, I don't know where the whole thuggery is coming from to me it's unnecessary as we look at the nba standings eh, all right a few things have changed i feel like every time i do a pod something you know there's gonna be some shifts i am curious as we're just talking about Ja where the Memphis Grizzlies will be. I mean, they, they just accomplished the, the largest comeback of the year down 29 points to the San Antonio Spurs to win the game in OT, which was amazing. I'll give them that. But what I feel like needs to happen is the entire Memphis Grizzlies team may need a little bit of um, I don't know if a wake-up call is the right thing, but like you know, you see Dylan Brooks pushing the camera guy It's like, why? I mean, I guess you got to have a villain. You got to have a bad boy at some point. But will it be in the end that it's like only Memphis fans or fans of the players will be happy with their success? I, I mean, there's uh, a way I think about it. I mean, everybody can't always want to be bad guys. I don't know if the entire team 
that they want to be villains, but it just seems like they have become villains of the NBA. And to think that they were down six with less than 20 seconds to go in regulation and they are able to tie the game up. I just am just so amazed. It is. It was quite an amazing comeback. But in the end, the thing for me is like, I'm sorry, I just can't root for you. I just, I don't know. I just feel like they just, you know, the, their vibe is just bad. And there's one thing, like, you know, when there's a fine line between arrogance and having uh, courage, they've gone into the arrogance for me. That's where they are for me. So I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. That's how I feel. That's just how I feel about them. But I'll keep, you know, as we're watching every, every game, every day the standings change because a game, a team is a half a game out, half a game in. You know, last time I did a pod, Washington was in the playing tournament. Now they're back on the outside. That's just what it's going to be. Same for the Lakers and the Jazz and New Orleans Pelicans. Probably not Portland. I think they're done. They lost five in a row. They're done. Actually, the crazy thing is all of the teams, seven through... 13 are all on a losing streak. Oklahoma City is just one. Jazz is just one. But they still, it's weird to see LLLLL. And then you look at one through six in the Western Conference today. And it's one, 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 one. Like everybody won. I think that's kind of interesting just to see it. Just the way you see it. That's all. Nothing more than that. But I... I do find it uh, intriguing to watch every day because you, you, you're seeing changes. Seeds are changing. And as I mentioned in the last pod, that's the thing. That's the main reason why I've got an issue with load management. Because load management, in my mind, is looking more at the past and the future. Oh, I just played a game. I'm tired. But not thinking how that may affect your standings. Like you need to play every game, like every game counts. If you are the Denver Nuggets, and now that they are, you know, only a handful of games left, Right? Maybe 12, 13 games left, and you have a four and a half game lead on the Kings and the Grizzlies. Maybe now you say, hey, let's rest a little bit, but not during the season when you don't know how it's gonna shape out. I just think that's that's my biggest issue with load management. And I keep going on with that, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep saying it. But It's interesting how, you know, Dame Lillard 
says he doesn't excuse me he doesn't like the modern culture of the NBA he said quote the NBA I play in now is not the NBA that I came into Pal Gasol talked about how he thinks defense is lacking in the NBA Dame Lillard went on to say, quote, the biggest difference is you don't have the veteran presence. You got players who are more talented than ever coming into the league, making more money than those picks ever made. You're giving them the keys to the franchise. There's nobody there to really let them know, like, you're super talented, but, like, you got to earn stuff around here. Everything is just given to them from the beginning. They play for stats. They think they're LeBron James when they make an all-star game. The NBA I play in is now in now is not the NBA that I came to. I feel like I play for the love of the game. I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates do well, and I enjoy the bonding part of it. We spend more time with each other than, any, each other than anybody, but now it's not like that doesn't count. I agree in some ways. I look at the Memphis Grizzlies when when I think of that. And not that he's necessarily speaking to the Memphis Grizzlies. But they actually don't have any true veteran presence. And it's sad to say that a coach cannot be that veteran presence for them. When you hear someone like Powell talk about that the game is not the same. Right? It's lacking. You've got a team in the Memphis Grizzlies who think they've done something when they haven't done anything. I mean, I shouldn't say they haven't done anything. They haven't won a championship. If they win a championship, okay, they win a championship. But right now, they're just a team in third place. And a lot of teams that got to third place, and they're, they're chirping a lot. And that's what I think he's referring to. All of these young players that get all of this money ahead of time, you're getting paid for what you could do, which I don't have any problem with them getting paid for what they could do. It's just basically just like Dame is saying, like you're giving them the keys to a franchise and they're not there yet. There are no veterans to help them the same way. I mean, you look at, Memphis, and I know, I feel like I just keep talking about Memphis so much. Are they listening to Steven Adams? No. Are they listening to Tyus Jones? Maybe a little bit. Luke Kennard? I mean, he's only five years in the league, so no, this is a very young team. I mean, technically, Luke Kennard's been in the league as much as Desmond Bain. I mean, excuse me, Dylan Brooks. So I think Dame is really speaking to the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe also the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they've got Harrison Barnes. But as far as young veterans that that won, that know how to win, that have been there before, 
Harrison Barnes is the only one. You got all of these teams that just have a bunch of young players on it. And maybe that's what Dame is really speaking to. Maybe the guys don't love the game. But I love it. I love it. World Baseball Classic is going on right now. I'm watching a little bit. There's all of the criticism now because should they be playing the World Baseball Classic? Now, I will say the fact that it's so close to the start of the Major League Baseball season, now that's the mistake. I do think that's a big mistake, and they've got to fix it. I think the issue is what you're what you have is you're trying to have the World Baseball Classic around the same time as the Major League Baseball season so that maybe you're going to gain interest in it. But then when you hear and see the reports, although I didn't the funny thing as I was watching the game and I missed the end. But I guess at the end of the game Edwin Diaz uh unfortunately in the celebration In Puerto Rico's celebration, suffered a knee injury, and now he's out for the Mets season. And that does make me sad. That does bum me out a lot. I was watching that game, and actually I watched yesterday. Puerto Rico did eventually lose to Mexico, so they will not be moving on to the semifinals. But... I, that's as far as I will go as criticism for a World Baseball Classic. That maybe you find a way to put the game really in the offseason. You know, go somewhere warm in November and play it. Not right in the middle of spring training. It actually threw me off when they first were announcing, oh, World Baseball Classic is back. I was like, and I was watching MLB Network, and I was like, wait, is this right now or we're watching old world baseball classic because i don't see why we're playing a world baseball classic in the middle of spring training actually i just forgot about it i was excited about spring training and then i get excited when you get to see shohei otani pitching for and batting for japan and that was fun of course it also was excited to see how um there was a great story that i like today of a kid who lost a baseball that thought he had caught a home run baseball. And then, um, I'm trying to remember what team it was. And then the player threw the ball back into the stands and the man caught it. He gave it to the boy. But then later in the game, another home run was caught by the boy's father. He gave the ball to the man. I like that sportsmanship. And I also like when, uh, I guess, Shohei Otani hit his, hit his first home run, the World Baseball Classic. And the fan that caught it, you know, they were passing the ball around to other Shohei Otani fans. And they were all taking pictures of the ball. And the ball found its way back to the person who originally caught it. I imagine in many ways, you know, there's some fans out there never do that. And so I'm not going to say, oh, that's just because they were Japanese fans or whatever, or Shohei Otani fans, but I just think that's good sportsmanship in, in I guess, a non-sports way, because it's not like they're the athletes, but I feel like that those are feel-good moments in sports, feel-good moments in baseball, in the World Baseball Classic, that 
yes, it is sad about Edwin Diaz, and he is going to be done for most likely for the entire 2023 season. And yeah, that's bad for the Mets. That's bad when you're also gambling that Justin Verlander and Mad Mex are going to be two of your top pitchers and you lose your top closer, your all-star closer, possibly for an entire season. They're going to have to think about, and I'm sure they will, think about, uh, maybe we shouldn't be playing the World Baseball Classic right now. Now, teams can block players from playing in the World Baseball Classic if there are specific injury conditions, if you will, and they didn't in this case, and then you see what happened. But it looks like realistically he was just jumping up and down in excitement. Nothing crazy and just went down. That was it. Nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. And that that's, you know, even the best and greatest athlete can get hurt when you least expect it. And I wish him the best. I hope that he recovers. I hope, you know, the Mets are, well, I mean, I can't act like they're not going to be a contender. But that hopefully, um, you know, it's not going to affect them too much. I am trying to figure out why the New York Jets are insisting that they have, they have to get Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going on. If and I, I mean, I mean, obviously, we're reading the reports that saying that the the Packers want two first round draft picks in order uh, from the Jets. The sad thing is, I would say, oh yeah, um, those draft picks are going to be really good. I don't expect New York to be that good with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets are hoping that. Aaron will be like Tom Brady, will be like Peyton Manning, that they won Super Bowls with the second team. And I just don't see that. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is there mentally to do that. Not only has he gone down in his production over the past few years, but if you look at his track record, okay, he won one Super Bowl. But other than that, he's failed in a lot of them where he has not been able to get there. And I guess in the end, you can always say, well, only one team can get there. But it's not like, I don't think that the Jets are set up to win a Super Bowl. And to give up all that they're talking about giving up, I'm trying to figure out, as other people ha have as well, how are you not looking at the Lamar Jackson if you're willing to give up two first-round draft picks? I unfortunately think that you can still say it's partially racial.
even if you want to say, oh, well, Lamar Jackson has partially been hurt over the past two years, I will give you that. But I still feel with his age, what he can do on the field, and the fact that, yes, he can pass as well. Let's not act like he can't pass. I, I just... I just don't get it. I don't see it. That's that's my thing. Every time that they are talking about, oh, the Jets want to get Aaron Rodgers, I'm just like, I, I don't understand it. That That's where I am. But who am I, right? Who am I? Aaron has been if more consistent in terms of being able to be on the field and not injured. But the age difference, how are you not thinking about going after Lamar Jackson? And I can't help but think about the fact that, you know, well, I mean, the money, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to cost you $100 million, somewhere, give or take there. Lamar Jackson is going to cost you $200 million. So that's the other area that I was thinking about that, yes, you're probably paying attention to. But the age, ugh. Granted, I know Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, they won their their Super Bowls. Well, uh, Tom Brady had won multiple. I think Peyton Manning had won one with Indianapolis and then won a second one with Denver, if I remember correctly. I hope I got that right. I'm just going off my memory here. And so maybe you're saying, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers have one, have, may have one more last hurrah in him. But the baggage that comes with him... I don't think it's worth it. I'd rather take Lamar Jackson for more money for more years. And maybe the Jets will come to their senses and not give up two first-round draft picks. I mean, I guess they're going to play whatever kind of game they're going to play and see if maybe the Green Bay Packers blink and they'll say, fine, we'll take a first and a third. Maybe that third becomes a second, something like that. Uh, maybe. But I just don't think it's smart. I just don't think it's smart. Lastly, my last topic here, something else that I don't think it's smart. I really don't. There are reports that Will Zalatoris was offered $130 million from Live Golf. And... He said no. He said no. And I know, I know that money is not everything. I get that. But I do feel that unfortunately... I just don't get it. He's not going to make $130 million in his career. 
I know we're talking about sports washing by Saudi Arabia, but there's a lot of sports washing by other countries too. And leagues. The fact that the PGA Tour all of a sudden has all of this money to offer players for their social media and, you know, guarantees in tournaments. Oh, that's okay if the PGA does it, but it's not okay if Live Golf does it? Come on. Zalatoris has only made about $15 million on the tour so far. He's not making a lot of money. And you turn down $130 million? It's easy for, you know, Freddie Couples was the one who brought this up. Okay, it's easy for you, Freddie Couples, to be like, oh, yeah, I don't know anything about the Live Tour except they overpay all of them. Oh, the, the league is so bad. I mean, come on. What what I mean, what else do you suppose what else do you expect them to say when you're trying to discredit a league? I just think it was a mistake. And I'm not just saying I'm taking the money. You're still competing. You're still playing against other professional golfers. Right? I mean, what makes Live Golf... bad when you also think about... And Live stands for uh, 54 holes, in case you didn't know. That's the Roman numerals for 54, because they don't play the same number of holes as they do on the PGA Tour. But we know that Live Golf has been trying their best to be able to get world points, right? They want to be able to add to that. Add to their stature, if you will, so that the players can complete in the FedEx Cup and et cetera, et cetera. But it's a series. They're playing golf, right? And what? If you want to say, oh, well, they're not playing for a championship. So, okay, so if they gave a trophy to whoever wins the Live Golf Tournament at the very end, and you're like, okay, well, then that's, that's a championship, right? That's a tournament. You can win 20 million, right? There's an event purse for each one. That counts as a tournament. I just feel like the discrediting of the Live Golf Tour is misguided. And you should not be the way that fellow golfers are coming down on the players for leaving the PGA Tour for what? More money? I mean, who else doesn't want more money? 
I just don't get it, and I'll never get it. And I certainly, you've got a bunch of people with a lot of money on the PGA Tour board and everybody else that are making money off of these players, and they just don't want to lose their cash cow. That's what it is. That's all it is. The PGA Tour, yes, they care who's on the tour, but only to an extent. If they lost the tour, right, they're trying to fight for their lives. They don't want the tour to go away because they don't want to lose their cash cow. But Will Zalatoris, I think he made a big mistake. But I guess in the end, money isn't everything. Maybe just like what Dane Dollar said, he plays golf for the love of the game. And that's all that matters. That'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm Jim O.K. Davis. Enjoy March Madness, NBA playoff run, baseball, spring training. I've been watching the World Baseball Classic. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep. That's right, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today.